Great to be here today. I bring you greetings from uh, my family, and um, uh, I've got there's a photo of my family. I'm married to Sharon. We've been married for 15 years. She's the best thing that's happened to me after Jesus, and uh, and she, uh, um, along with my wife, we've got two boys. Our oldest boy, his name is Joshua. Uh, um, he is 10 years old. He loves Jesus. He loves making movies uh, on YouTube. Uh, he's got 100 subscribers. Um, Thousands of views. It's his younger brother watching the same videos over and over again, and so many devices. And uh, uh, and but he loves making movies, and he's our retirement plan. I'm like, carry on, buddy, and uh, see how that goes. And and our youngest boy, he is four. Uh, he loves Jesus. Um, uh, uh, last Easter, he watched the video of Jesus coming back to life, um, uh, uh, and he loves Jesus. So he goes to the uh, kindergarten and tell all tells all his friends that Jesus is alive. Uh, and his group of friends said to him, Jackson, Jesus is not real. Jesus is not alive. Uh, and then I said to him, Jackson, what did you do when they said that? He said, Dad, I raised my voice. Uh, and I said, Jesus is alive. <laughs> and they all said, okay, Jackson, Jesus is alive. <laughs> He's a pastor's kid. He's, um, he, and then the other day I was driving him to kindy and he said, Dad, do you know who I hate? Because he's not allowed to use the word hate in our household. So he just wanted to say it. And I said, Jackson, what do you mean? Who do you hate? He goes, I hate the devil. <laughs> this is on the way to kindergarten. And then he goes, up, oh, up, oh, Jesus, just kick the devil in the face. And I said, okay, son, just turn it down when you go to kindergarten. And... Uh, <laughs> Just keep it, keep it. It's, I know you love Jesus. I know you're man of the devil. But um, walked into the lounge the other day. He was playing PlayStation and the game wasn't working. And then he was like, in the mighty name of Jesus. He said, work. And I was watching this and then it worked. And he goes, praise be to God. And I thought, I thought he, he's, on, he's on fire for the Lord. And uh, so I think he's going to be a pastor. And um, Movie maker and a pastor. Man, I've got my retirement sorted. And uh, if you have your Bibles, can I encourage you to open them to Romans chapter uh, 8, verse 28. Romans 8, verse 28. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. The title of my message, in fact, I have three titles, uh, which makes my message really spiritual and really deep. Uh, it's either that or I just can't make up my mind. I've got three titles. The official title is U-Turn. Everybody say U-Turn. Another title, if you're taking notes, is As It Turned Out. Everybody say, As It Turned Out. Another word, another title is Divine Appointments. Everybody say Divine Appointments. You never know who you're sitting next to at church. It could be your divine appointment. If you're single, you could be meeting your future spouse. In fact, when I went to church first Sunday, uh, my wife's family, my, mother, my future mother-in-law shook hands. And when she went home, she said, those boys, those Ratnaraja boys, they are different to the rest of the boys in our church. Man, she's a prophet. She knew. She saw quality. And uh, so you never know. It could be a divine appointment for you. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your presence here today. God, we just pray that you'd speak to us. God, we thank you that you're not a butcher. You're a surgeon. Would you open our hearts? I pray for transformation in this place. 
God, I pray for an encounter with you. We give you all the glory, all the honor and praise. Holy Spirit, would you do what only you can do in this place? I pray that every person here in this room, every man, woman, and child will encounter you like never before. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. My wife and I, we'd only been married six months when we took over our church. Um, she was in the final year um, of her Bible college, and uh, we've only been married six months, and, and they trusted us with a church. And I, I was like, what was the leadership of the church thinking? We, I mean, but looking back now, we feel like little kids being entrusted with a church. And I remember after the first Sunday service, this lovely lady in our church, she was um, in her early 80s, and she said, look, I'd love for you guys to come um, and have afternoon tea with me and another congregation member. And, and she was like, this is my address. I'm going to bake some muffins, and uh, you've got to come and, and spend some time. And we were like, yep, we'll be there. She gave us the address. And, um, uh, and I remember when we did our first pastoral visit, we got to the street, but we couldn't find her house. So we made a U-turn, went back again, and we're looking for this house. Uh, we couldn't, I mean, we're at the street, but we can't find the house. So we did another U-turn, and my wife's like, you missed it. I'm like, no, I can't find it. I mean, it really tested our marriage. We're going U-turn after U-turn. Not a good impression, trying a first pastoral visit. And, and I remember ringing this lady and said, look, we can't find your house. She's like, what do you mean you can't find my house? I've lived here for 40 years. She's like, the house hasn't gone anywhere. I'm still here. She goes, look, I'm going to come outside. I'll wait for you guys. And she, she went outside and she's waiting. Then we rang her again. We're doing so many U-turns and we're like, we can't find the house. She was like, I can't find a car either. She was like, where are you guys? And just as we were talking to her, we noticed that some smart person had bent the street sign and it was pointing in the opposite direction. So we were in, at the wrong street, all because of this lovely street sign pointing the wrong way. So many U-turns. And, and to be honest, I did want to visit this lovely lady, but I was more interested in those muffins. I was like, I am not going home until I've had those muffins. And U-turn um, after U-turn after U-turn. Have you ever experienced a U-turn? Maybe you're at church this morning and uh, you kind of felt like you made all these plans. You were like, 2024, I'm going to be believing for this. This is the year of the Lord's favor. You were fired up. You were excited. And then now you're finding yourself going in the opposite direction. Not the direction that was the one you planned. Maybe your relationships took a U-turn and now you are back to where you started. Maybe it's your career. You took a U-turn and you are at the bottom of the ladder back to square one. U-turn. Maybe it's your health. You were hoping for a breakthrough. You were hoping for a positive medical report, but things have taken a U-turn and now you're back to square one. Or maybe you've just received some terrible news. You were never prepared for it. You kind of feel like life has made you take a U-turn. Anybody, you're like that this morning. You're kind of like, you've been praying for something and you're like, you're back to square one. Today, I want to encourage you. I want us to look at an amazing story in the Bible. I want us to look at the story of Ruth in the Bible. I love Ruth in the Bible. She shows us how to navigate U-turns in life. Victor's like, I love this lady in the Bible. This is my favorite Bible character. Ruth shows us how to navigate unexpected U-turns in life. 
Ruth shows us what happens when, when God's people trust Him and stay faithful to Him. Ruth shows us that even in the midst of U-turns, God is still at work. He is the way maker. He is the promise keeper. He's the light in the darkness. Do you realize that it's not over until God says it's over? He's at work behind the scenes. In Ruth chapter 1, we read about Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi, who have just lost everything. Naomi not only lost her husband, she also lost her two sons as well. So she is husbandless and childless with two foreign daughter-in-laws in a foreign country, with no options available in desperation. Naomi decides to go back to Israel, her homeland. Ruth, despite being a Moabite woman, decides to leave her family and all, all her relatives and everything that she knew in order to accompany her mother-in-law back to Israel to make a fresh start with her. Life had thrown a nasty U-turn for Ruth and Naomi. So they both returned to Bethlehem. I love this. In the midst of all these U-turns, incredible, and something amazing happened, an incredible divine appointment that took place in Ruth's life changed the course of not only Ruth's life, but also Naomi's life, her mother-in-law's life forever. Listen to this. God had not forgotten Ruth and Naomi. God wants somebody here in this building to know that you are not forgotten by God. Maybe you're here today and you're like, how come someone else has got their breakthrough? How come someone else has got their miracle? What about me? God wants you to know today that you are not forgotten by God. God is still at work. Can I tell you this? Learn to celebrate someone else's miracle when you're waiting for your miracle. Because he's never too late, never too early. He's always on time. I want us to look at the story together. Ruth, Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. It's on the screen. Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz. Everybody say Boaz. Say it one more time, nice and loud. Boaz. Who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. Obviously he was from Elam. Verse 2. One day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grains before the harvesters. As it happened, everybody say, as it happened. She found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. There are a couple of things that we need to understand as we look at Ruth's story. Here's the thing. Ruth teaches us that life comes in seasons. Life comes in season. In fact, the Bible states in Ecclesiastes verse three, chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. See, the concept of seasons is throughout nature. Winter, spring, summer, autumn. If you live in Wellington, you have all four seasons on the same day. If you live in Auckland, you just got to wait for five minutes and it changes. The important thing is to note about seasons is realizing what to do and what not to do in each season. Wisdom is found in learning how to respond to seasons of life. 
See, sometimes people think if I, if I become a Christian, if I say yes to Jesus, if I give my life to Jesus, all of a sudden, all my problems will be gone. And you walk on cloud nine and you come to church and you're like, yeah, high five. And, 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 and you're like, great, everything is wonderful. Do you realize that if you think Christianity is like that, maybe you have been sold a lie. Because Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble. There will be challenges. There will be circumstances. But then he said, take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying, yes, you will have problems. You will have circumstances. But remember one thing, that he is in control. And he will teach us how to respond. The Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us in how to respond to seasons of life. See, this is so crucial and so important if we want to survive each season of life. Some seasons can feel very bare and harsh. What do you do when you go through difficult seasons in life? Let me give you three things that Ruth did, and I want to encourage people here this morning. If you're in a difficult season and you kind of feel like 2024 has started, you know, it's been a bit challenging for you so far, or maybe 2023 was a challenging year for you today, I want to encourage you. I want to stir your faith this morning to remind yourself that he who has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it. If God started it, he is faithful to complete it. If you had to make a U-turn and you are back to square one, I want to encourage you this morning. Here's the first thing. Number one, write this down. Don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise small beginnings. In those days, there were laws that God had put in place for the poor. When the wheat was gathered, they were not to reap to the very edges or gather the gleanings. They were to leave them for the poor. God said if they did it, that the Lord would bless the work of their hands. It was a win-win deal. Both the harvester and the gleaner were blessed. So gleaning wasn't a handout. It was hard work. And here's the thing. Ruth had no special treatment when she started. And this is what I love about Ruth. She was not afraid of getting her hands dirty. She was not focused on impressing anyone. She was focused on serving others. She was focused on working hard. Maybe you're here, maybe you're here this morning and maybe you were given a demotion at work or you were made redundant at work or you were given some devastating news and you're back to square one and you're like, this is too much and you feel like giving up. God wants you to know that today, don't despise small beginnings. First Peter 5, 6, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. Do you realize that there are times God will close a door and we think that's the end of our lives. Can I tell you, a closed door is just as important a, a door that God opens because God closed this door. Some of us, we've got a hand on the, on, on the handle and we're like kicking the door. God opened this door. Can I tell you, that's the wrong door. Don't complain. Don't have a bad attitude. You say, God, I thank you for closing that door because you close doors that no man can open and you open doors that no man can close. So God is saying today, trust His timing. At the appointed time, He will open the right door. He will lift you up in honor. See, the small beginning where God has placed you may be the doorway to greater things. Don't despise small beginnings. If you're faithful with the little things, God will trust you with greater things. See, if you're entrusted with 
ABC. Don't worry about D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. Why? Because God looks after that. This is what we do. Sometimes we want D, E, F, and G. And God's entrusted with ABC. And we are mad at God. And we get on the alphabet train and you go to work and you complain to everybody about your boss, about why you haven't been given all of these things. Can I tell you, God is not interested about what's going to happen in three months down the track. He is interested with what has been entrusted to you here and now in this season. You don't see Ruth going around complaining about all she had to do. She embraced the present season. Listen to this carefully. Dream big, but be willing to start small. Dream big, but be willing to start small. I may have shared this when I was here a couple of years ago. I'm originally from Sri Lanka. And when I was a little kid, my mom and dad, at that time, they were running an orphanage in, in Sri Lanka. And they had about 150 orphans. They would come every, every night. They would have a prayer meeting. I was only about five or six years old at that time. At a young age, I knew. I led myself to the Lord. And at a young age, I clearly heard the voice of God. I knew that God was calling me to be a pastor. I was like, that's it. I knew God was calling me to be a pastor. So I thought, you know what? I'm, going, I'm not going to wait till I'm 40 to become a pastor. I thought I'm going to become a pastor now. So I appointed myself uh, as the pastor. I started a church. I have a twin brother called Lloyd. Yes, I know. Boyd and Lloyd. He's my twin brother. The only difference is I'm way better looking than him. And, uh, and there was another kid who he was not even related to us at church. His name was Floyd. So we have Boyd, Lloyd, Floyd. Then I moved to Wellington and there was another guy now. He came and said to me, my name is Royd. I was like, what? We got Boyd, Lloyd, Floyd, Royds. I was like, oh no. Anyway, so I started a church at the age of six. And my brother, he was the associate pastor. We had two, two dogs at home. Uh, they were the worship team, man. I'll tell you, we, we had about eight neighborhood kids that joined our church. We were the fastest growing church in our region. I'd go to church in the morning with mom and dad, and, and I'd watch everything that happened in the service. Man, don't despise small beginners. I was like, I want to serve the Lord for the rest of my life. I was, I, then I'd come back in the afternoons, and, and I would just copy the message that the pastor preached. And I just repeated in the, in the evenings. And then there are some days I couldn't remember what the pastor preached. True story. We had another church right next door to our house. And they would have this, their service with adults at the same time. And I would have my church service at the same time with eight neighborhood kids. And sometimes I couldn't remember what the pastor preached in the morning. But I'll hear what the pastor is preaching next door. And I'll repeat it at my church. Their congregation would hear the same sermon twice. One time they sent a leader over to say, can you keep it down? Man, we had revival. We had people getting saved. I remember one day going to church and they had baptisms. Oh, I'd never, I was blown away. I was like, man, we've got to have baptisms. I was like, this is amazing. And, 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 and I went home and, and, and my mom and dad had this massive fish tank. It was like a bathtub. And, 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 and it hadn't been cleaned for so long. Even the fish were dead. And I asked my congregation of eight people, who wants to get baptized? Nobody put their hand up. And I looked at my brother and I said, put your hand up. 
He put his hand up, and I always wanted to do this because my pastor did it every morning, every Sunday morning. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I was like, brother, at the back over there, Jesus loves you. I see that hand. It was just one hand, but I was like, man, I was pre- oh, I see that hand. Oh, somebody's already put their hand up. You've got to have a baptism. And I said to my brother, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And my congregation, they were clapping and cheering. But I didn't want to just have one baptism because in the morning church, you know, they had about five. So I wanted to outdo my pastor in the morning. So I baptized my brother way too many times. That's how sinful he was. And I thought, in Jesus' name. And then he got sick and we turned into a healing service. And uh, man, we had revival. They had anointing service one time. You had it a couple of weeks ago. Man, I, I was like, we've got to have an anointing service. And then mom was asleep. And then I went into the kitchen and I got this big jar of oil that she had, cooking oil. And I said to her, who wants to be anointed? Nobody. I said to my brother, put your hand up. And he put his hand up and I got him to kneel down. And I remember reading in the Bible, it said Samuel poured the whole, the whole flask of oil on David as he was anointed. I said, we've got to do this biblically. If we're doing this, we've got to do this right. And I poured the whole oil on us. You can ask my mom. And the oil just went everywhere. Man, we had revival. Our congregation of eight, including the dogs, we were giving Jesus a mighty shout of praise. And my mom was like, what's going on over there? And she came and there was oil everywhere. In Sri Lanka, you were allowed to smack kids back then. Man, the pastor got a good smacking. I looked at my mother and I wanted to anoint her with oil because there was an evil spirit. There was a, I was like, woman, thou art loosed. Man, we had revival. Here's the thing. Grew up in Sri Lanka, moved to New Zealand. And I thought, you know, I'm in a new country and, and I'm never going to be able to see my dream fulfilled. Can I tell you, if, if, if God places a dream in your heart, He will make it happen. And I remember finally we were at school and one lady came and said to me, boy, I see the call of God on your life. And, and she said to me, I'd love for you to come on staff and work in the worship department. Oh man, when I heard those words, I saw God's opened a door for me. Man, I get to be in the worship department. First day, my job was to put all the chairs out. I was like, what? I thought I got to be in the, working for the worship department. I thought I could put all the chairs out. And they had about 900 chairs. I put it out. The, the, the next day, she said, clean the stage. And then every weekend, my job, every day, my job was to straighten the chairs and to put all the chairs out. And I said, look, you know, I can lead worship. You guys know I can sing. They said, oh, yeah, good, but we want you to do the chairs. And then everybody, you know, on, on team had a, had a title. I was like, what's my title? And then even the cleaner had a title. So I said to the pastor, you know, everybody in the church is asking what my title is. Nobody. It was just me. Everybody. Everybody. He said to me, I don't know. So I gave myself a title. People used to ask me, What's your, what do you do around here? I said, oh, I'm the chairman of the church. <laughs> All of a sudden, people who were not interested in me wanted to talk with the chairman of the church. And they were like, so young. And you're the chairman of the church. And they said, what does the chairman do? I said, I put the chairs out. Monday morning, I packed them up for mainly music. I was like, this guy's crazy. But do you realize that when I was putting the chairs out, nobody was in the building. I used to stand, pretend to be the pastor, and I used to preach. Nobody was in the building, but do you realize that nobody saw it, but God was taking notes. God was taking notes. God saw me speaking at 
C3 City Church in Toranga. God takes us, can I tell you, promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. Promotion comes from the Lord. I want to say to somebody here today, don't despise small beginnings. Maybe you're like, oh boy, I kind of feel like I'm in the wilderness. I'm supposed to be in the promised land. Listen to this carefully. The wilderness is not a punishment. It's your preparation ground. Maybe you kind of feel like you're in the valley. God wants you to know the valley is a passing season. It's not your permanent destination. Today, you need to embrace whatever God has entrusted you with and have the right attitude and say, God, I'm trusting you. Don't despise small beginnings. Number two, second thing that Ruth does, I want to encourage you with, don't stop doing good. Don't stop doing good. Look what happens next. Ruth 2, 3 to 4. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. As it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvest. The Lord be with you. He said, the Lord bless you. The, Lord, the harvest was replied. Now, is this where the U-turn turns around again? See, often you watch a movie, you watch a romantic movie. You see the prince coming along on a horseback or a motorbike or a limo. Or for some of you, your prince came in a little push bike and, you know, and he whisks this lady to a life of comfort and ease where they live happily ever after. And you all go, oh, that was beautiful. But for Ruth, instead of being whisked away to a life of ease and comfort, she is working really hard. I mean, what's going on here? I thought this was her breakthrough. But Ruth continues to work hard. She demonstrates a few incredible principles that eventually lead, led to an incredible divine appointment for her. Write this down. Number one, number one, number one. Write this down. It's not on the screen. So what you want to harvest. So what you want to harvest. You need to be sowing now what you want to harvest in the future. Ruth is working hard in this season in order to harvest a season of blessing and abundance. You cannot reap what you haven't sown in one season. Listen to this carefully. If you sow love, you will reap love. If you sow generosity, you will reap generosity. If you sow kindness, you will reap kindness. So number one, sow what you want to harvest. Number two, sow where you want to harvest. Sow where you want to harvest. Be where God is and where God wants you to harvest. Location is key. Let me give you a powerful story. We all know this lady, amazing preacher, Charlotte Scanlon Gamble. I'll never forget her story. You know, one day her and her husband, they went to the doctors and, and the doctor gave us some devastating news and said to her, it's going to be hard for you to conceive. It's going to be hard for you to have a baby. And she was devastated when she heard this news. Her and her husband left the office and the doctor's office. They were devastated. They were so sad when they heard these news. And, and they were praying. And then God asked them to do something ridiculous. It sounded ridiculous to them. God said to them, look, I want you to throw baby showers for ladies in the church who are pregnant. And she was like, what? What? And these were her words. I felt like God was asking me to throw baby showers for other people in the church who were pregnant. Some of these people, she barely knew, yet God was asking me to throw baby showers for these moms who were pregnant. And she says this, I didn't feel like celebrating what I couldn't have. But she knew 
God wanted her to believe that God can turn anything around. She realized that she needed to act in accordance with her future, not her present. Act in accordance with her future, not her present. So she started sowing where she wanted to harvest. And we all know the story. You know, you know, she's got two beautiful children. And in her book, she says this experience brought a new realization of why God would say in Isaiah 54.1, Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Listen to this carefully. God requires an action from us that would begin turning the situation around. Listen to this carefully. We do the natural, He does the supernatural. We do the possible, He does the impossible. In a spring season, Ruth shows us that we have to sow what we want to harvest, where we want to harvest. Third one, sow how you want to harvest. I have realized when life throws you a U-turn, you have to go to work with the right attitude. I heard someone say this, life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you respond to it. Our hurt is no reason to hurt others. Our anger is no reason to be angry with others. Instead of taking revenge, revenge on others, we surrender what we are carrying to Jesus and we step in to faith and then go out there and treat others the way we want to be treated. Listen to this carefully. Sometimes that means treating others as you haven't been treated. Do it anyway. You may not have been treated kindly, but you show kindness. Do it with the right attitude. Don't despise small beginnings. Don't stop doing good. Number three, my last point. Don't overlook divine appointments. I'm going to ask Joe to join me on the keys if that's all right for a moment. As I bring this to a close, there are four words in Ruth chapter 2, verse 3, that keeps jumping at me every time I look at it. Here are the four words. Write this down. As it turned out. As it turned out, as it turned out, Ruth ended up working on the property of a very successful relative of Naomi. I couldn't tell you the number of as it turned out moments in my life, or I know there are hundreds of people in this room, they have had as it turned out moment as they follow Jesus as it turned out, as an indicator that God is at work behind the scenes, positioning people for His plans and purpose. As it turned out, Ruth ended up working on the property of a compassionate, wealthy, single, godly relative by the name of Boaz. Listen to this. Then Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she's the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvest as she had been hard at work ever since except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. Boaz went over and said, Ruth, listen, my daughter. If you like somebody, don't call them daughter. But anyway, stay right there with us. 
When you gather grain, don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they're harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. When you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I'm only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know what everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. I hope I continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I'm not one of your workers. Someone had told Boaz how Ruth had been kind to her mother-in-law. Ladies, be kind to your mother-in-law. Gentlemen, be kind to your mother-in-law. I want to say to people here today, if you're single and you're believing for your husband, I want to say to every lady here today, wait for your Boaz. Don't settle for second best. Don't settle for drunk ass, cheap ass, lying ass, good for nothing ass. Wait for your Boaz. Oh, that's the place to clap and go, yeah. Wait for your Boaz. God was at work. This was a divine appointment. God had set up a divine appointment for Ruth. She caught Boaz's eyes. But there was a lot of work to be done. Day after day, she keeps working until her miracle came through. I just want to say to people here today, God will open the right doors at the right time, close the wrong doors at the, wrong, uh, at the right time. I close all the wrong doors. You, you get it. You, you understand it. You're C3. You should get it. It's the healing people that you need to explain. I'm believing and I'm declaring over this church in 2024, this is a year of as it turned out moments for you. David was just a shepherd boy, but as it turned out, God chose him to be the future king of Israel. The small jar of olive oil in the widow's house, as it turned out, miraculously multiplied. The little boy with five loaves of bread and two fish, as it turned out, became instrumental in Jesus feeding the 5,000. Joseph's time in prison and slavery, as it turned out, paved the way for him to become the second most powerful person in Egypt. Maybe you're here today and you're like, boy, I'm going through something. God wants you to know. Hold on to the promises of God. Hold on to the promises of God. You're going to have it as it turned out moment. And I ask everybody to stand to your feet for a moment. And uh, I really believe there are people here today that you're like, Boyd, life has thrown a nasty U-turn or, or you are holding on to the promises of God. Maybe you kind of feel like I have to start all over again doesn't matter what your situation is. Maybe you are believing for a breakthrough. You are believing for a miracle. I'm going to ask the team to lead us in worship for a moment. I want you to start making your way to the front. Why am I asking you to do that? Why am I asking you to do that? Because today you're making a declaration. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. Today I'm holding on to my as it turned out moments. I'm going to hold on to the promises of God. 
Today, I'm gonna be like Ruth. I'm gonna have the right attitude. I'm not gonna give up. I'm saying, God, I trust You. I trust You. I trust You to open the right doors, close all the wrong doors. If you're here today and you're believing for a, for a health report, you're believing for a breakthrough in the area of healing, you're believing for a miracle. Some of you, maybe you've lost a job. Today, you're saying, God, I'm holding on to You. I'm trusting You, God. Oh God, I am desperate for a touch of heaven. I want you to start making your way to the front. I want to pray for you very quickly. We're going to worship the Lord. Wherever you are, start making your way to the front. The rest of us, we're going to continue to worship the Lord for a moment. Let's lift our hands to the heavens and say, God, I worship you today.